seems to be that um, Ingmar Bergman's one of those guys you hear about. It's a short list, but it's like um, they are almost metaphors for a certain type of cinema that cinephiles um, should find important. Or I guess more, it's like dinner conversation. You just drop in that thing. A lot of people have never even seen their films. So it's like, that's like a Fellini film. Or <laughs> oh, what, are you, what is this, Ingmar Bergman? And it's like, like on the one hand, Fellini's oh. meant, meant to represent the sort of like um, intellectual space of... Um, like fantasy, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say um, you used the word a minute ago, and I forgot what it is. Absurdism. Okay, absurdism, right? Yeah. And that um, Bergman is the sort of like the bookend, like the fucking opposite, man. The they're dark. like, they're like, yeah, they're like two people who. It's just funny. They're like the two people living in the same neighborhood who probably hate each other, and I think they might have. Yeah, I think Bergman had a thing against Fellini. Okay, I could I, see it because apparently one of his uh, one of his um, one of his movies was done as a satire of a Fellini movie. Like, oh, really? It was called Too Many Women or uh, All These Women or something like that. Okay. I was like, yeah, okay, you see that? <laughs> I did a little bit of reading on on this uh, on this on this fucking guy. God damn it, Bergman. Bergman. Here's the thing. I gotta say, man, as a person who's having like sort of sporadic depressive moments, he's fucking hard to watch. Oh, you mean you're having sporadic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If you're having, just, he's not the he's not the person to go to. But what's really funny about watching Bergman, I've seen exactly two and a half movies and that includes the two movies we're talking about what's today. the other half that you saw i, I saw uh, i took a film appreciation class and we watched a uh, part of persona oh, okay. which is supposedly his like considered by many including post possibly himself like like maybe his masterpiece yeah yeah but um but um fuck he is just you, you watching him you see so i see so many influences of other movies that i've loved and yeah. when I say that, I'm talking a lot, like a lot of Woody Allen. Oh well, it's going to be. Yeah. He's acknowledged that fact. It's yeah. no accident. But when you watch it, you're like, oh god, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you crimes and misdemeanors could not fucking have happened without uh, Bergman. Husbands and wives. Oh, I mean, so Annie Hall love too. And death. Right. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's going to be impossible to talk about Bergman without talking about Woody Allen and, and how I think a very interesting way that Woody Allen. Um, treats certain type of Bergman influences and mm -hmm. treats other versus others for sure. Okay. All I, right. I was, um, this is my first year in, in college at college of the Marin in Kentfield, Marin County, California. I had a great humanities teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, this guy was in his late sixties, had an awesome, um, goatee, okay. like the real goatee. All right. Got it. And um, he not this hipster bullshit. Yeah. Back in those days, you could give a final that was like, <laughs> um, "We've done all the work, everything's great. Just come in on the last day, and nah. we'll do some shit for stay however long you want." So he, we got in there and uh, the last day, and and um, he told us a story about when he was young and he was falling in love in Italy, hmm. and how he met this woman who became his wife, and they went to. Um, see this guy he'd never heard of ingmar bergman and this movie the seventh seal <laughs> and the way he told the story it was so engaging to the rest of us that when he said nah you could leave or you could just stay and watch the movie i'm gonna say two-thirds of the class stayed really and watched okay. the movie which is like you know unheard yeah, of right? Yeah, right, right, right and i remember being so captivated by the seventh seal and then seeing it again at the red vic on Hate Street in San Francisco. Oh, the Red Vic. I but that, that those two times that I saw previously, you know, I was a really young man. And so I, I, I really uh, wasn't sure whether yeah. this stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. 
the same way that Burroughs, for instance, William Burroughs does not, for me, stand the test of time. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Or Bukowski for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe, right? So In this case, I think it's the opposite. I think Bergman is better the older you are. Does that seem fair? Yeah, well, it depends on what he's doing. Because, you know, the first <laughs> one we're going to look at, which is 1957's The Seventh Seal. The seventh seal. Kind of a safe choice there. I almost there. just want to go like, fuck it, it's The Seventh Seal. What's the next movie? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, um, it's so philosophically... I mean, it suffers from its own success, right? Yeah, I mean, right. any any mention of, of somebody playing death, a, a, a game of chess, is so absurd. But it's like, no, this was the beginning. Right, and then Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like, I, <laughs> right. the second I Bill that. and Ted's movie. I remember, like, I, I, it's so funny how much of this movie I've seen in other movies, making of fun course. of it and or paying homage to it. Yeah, too, right? yeah, exactly. I mean, it's such an interesting film. But I'm going to say that I don't know that anything fell apart over time. I think you're right. If anything, it just got better. And it has all the possibility of falling apart because when I'm looking at The Seven Seal, what, what I want to say is it has a Shakespearean or, or Marlowe-esque quality. Uh -huh. Except that like when you make a good, let, let's say like 1968's Romeo and Juliet with Olivia Hussey, right? Right, 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 right. When you make that, you're like, well, of course, but it's a modern day sort of capturing of something. Like you couldn't do that in modern, you couldn't write that in modernity, but he wrote something that yeah, has a Shakespearean yeah, quality yeah. in modernity and it's, it's so acceptable as a philosophical inquiry, mm -hmm. I think. No, no, absolutely. Well, I, and think. That's what, I think that's been all of his movies have that quality to them, or the movies I've seen again. Yeah. Haven't seen much, but but right. now I'm su super intrigued um, uh, of how much this guy is, is you know, strictly speaking, coming from a, like a philosophical. Oh, he's it, interested. He's all about, he's all about philosophy. You know, this is the silence of God is really what the this silence is about, God. right? Yeah, well, and it's clear to me that like there are two, two or different segments and people sort of mark them, right? Like he was done with the silence of God, period. Right. And then he was on to this other period, and, and you know that yeah, that'll yeah, be yeah. Uh, apparent in, in the the next one we do. But yeah, I, I have a, a, a an interesting sort of quote um, from him here. He was born near Stockholm. His dad was, did you know this, a minister? Oh yeah, he was a minister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a quote from uh, I thought he was a real dick apparently yeah. <laughs> to his kid. Well, so so he said um, about the experience when one is born and reared in a home of a minister, one has had the chance at an early age to catch a glimpse behind the scenes of life and death. Father conducts a funeral. Father officiates at a wedding. Father performs a baptism, acts as a mediator, writes a sermon. The devil becomes an early acquaintance. And of course, that last line is very sort of Bergman-esque in its delivery. But um, uh, who, who could be compared to him? In a weird way, I guess, Werner Herzog. Okay, sure. I mean, except that I, I'm, I have personal dirt on, on Bergman, but you could never touch the where you know the the, the depths of of Herzogian dirt. No, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it Berg wasn't obviously a degenerate the way Herzog is. Well, Bergman's a madman the way that um, I guess that Woody Allen is a madman right. in that his madness is his ability to compartmentalize the aspects uh, mm. uh, of filmmaking away from his separate life and yet right. let one influence the other. Right, 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 right. And how to let how to let like. You know the like the the concept of a philosophical discourse and maybe a uh, discourse you know bleed further into their movies than it probably ever did into their lives. I mean, like that's you couldn't live a, based on like w watching the Seventh Seal. You yeah. couldn't live a life all the time in that headspace. That would be unbearable. Which is kind of what the movie's a little bit about. Although I wonder, and here's the interesting part of it. Here's the part that's not. It's it's where history sort of backs up the philosophical. Yeah, it would be unbearable during the the Crusades or post Crusades. Um, to live in that headspace, but given like the limited 
things you could have in your head at that time, mm-hmm. it might you might have not had a choice. Right. Well, yeah. Well, probably. I honestly, I, I, I there maybe were like five people during like during that supposed time period that it was in uh, that that maybe had those thoughts. That's why I think it's actually. I mean, the fact that it's it's historicity is mostly dog shit. But um, but it, that's what makes it so interesting because it's an allegory just placed back in that time period. It could literally have happened at any time. I think. Yeah. Although it's important to have that that guy coming back from the the coming back from a, from the crusade. That's kind of an important element to it. But other than that, like everything else, they didn't have flagellants in Sweden that was in Germany but but uh, so 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 oh. Bergman took a lot of t- t- took a lot of liberties with it mm-hmm. but again it's it's all about getting at the allegory the larger picture of what's going on here the the, the minutia is mostly not there well there's a lot okay there's a bunch of interesting things he said there and I'm gonna go off on a few tangents and then just fucking rope me in a little cow doggy if I've gone too far mm-hmm. so there's one thing is like I, I what I was meaning by that although I like what you had to say is that like for instance right now it's two th- it's January late January 2020 and um china has now its 170th coronavirus victim right right and it's like could this be like a a real pandemic in the making Mm. and i hear that twice a day on the radio and then just go yeah anyway the super bowl is coming up (laughs) like it like i can live in a world where it's like i'm that compartmentalized Uh, by things right right okay so that's the one thing another thing is a a current event thing that came up don't worry uh finley's listeners we're not going down current event roads again but it Mm. it relates there's a woman who wrote um a novel called american dirt have you heard about this no uh i sound like lena have you heard about this this? um she wrote she is puerto rican she's part half puerto rican half irish She she researched for this book for five years and then wrote a novel called American Dirt and it's a story of a Mexican woman who owns a bookstore, a single mother, who fleeing cartel violence uh, takes her child to uh, the American border. Hmm. And I haven't read it, so so I just like a disclaimer that I haven't read it. All right. Um, and eighty and 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 Oprah put it on her book club thing, and eighty three authors wrote to Oprah asking her to stop promoting it because it's not written by a Mexican. <laughs> and also that uh, in yeah. reading it, the experience isn't the real experience. Now that's interesting because my dad used to have this argument with me all the time. My dad was born in Kansas, left Kansas in a rickety Model T with furniture strapped to it to pick grapes in California in the mid thirties. I mean, you couldn't have found a greater parallel to the grapes around. It was an Oki. Okay, yeah, I mean, a Kansas or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he would always say he he loved he loved Steinbeck, but that book he didn't like because he didn't get it right. That's uh, not how the people were, and right, I would right. always argue with them like. Yeah, maybe, but it might have sort of a larger purpose, even if it didn't get it right. Mm. To which he might be, my father might have been the right one. Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not go revisiting that. But it's, it, I think it's part of this, uh, the other thing, which is like you're, t- you're, you're like displacing events historically for the sake of a pure allegory, for instance. Right, right. And in this case, you know, it's one of those things That's where long-winded. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, no, it's, it's perfectly fine uh, because because here's the thing. There's a difference. It, so so putting it after the Crusades and in the middle of the Black Death, of yep. course, as it was. Right, right. Um, you you had to take it from where we've been. What we've been for the last God since World War II is we've been on the precipice. Of the end times, right? Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and we've been we've been looking, we've been staring the end times in the eye, and now by now we're fucking we're bored shitless with it. And so was the tour of the end. And so what was yeah, so yeah. what he does is puts you back into it. He by necessity puts it back in a time period where they were living through what they thought were the end times, yep. and that makes it that makes it a more potent message. All the way oh, around. of course, yeah, the urgency, yeah, because he he himself. Well, let, okay, 
I'm, I'm just going to say this, which will make no sense without the plot, and let's, let's dive right back to the plot, but I'm going to say, generally speaking, he himself is seeking this question because of his end of the night, Max von Sydow, um, his individual urgency, but it represents the urgency of the culture around him. Yes. Or right. at least, maybe yeah. more precisely, the urgency Bergman thinks that they, representing all of culture, should have. Right. Okay, so we're talking... So, before, let's, before we get please. to the plot, I wanted, mm-hmm. to bring up, I wanted to bring up Woody Allen one more time. Yeah, Here's please. what I think Woody Allen, one of the things he really took from uh from Bergman is um just good writing yep and great acting like oh, tremendous yeah. fucking acting oh, yeah. if you've got those two things put a camera on it and call it a fucking day cuz he I don't think he's a remarkable there's no I don't think there's remarkable camera work necessarily nope. in this it's some good stuff very competent oh, yeah. absolutely cinematography is beautiful this, yeah it's beautiful and, yeah, it, yeah. and it's and it's uh, as good as the technology of its time both of these movies really mm-hmm. uh, could make it but but it's really the acting like the yeah, the acting no is fucking Stupidly good. Yeah, it's really okay. good. Yeah, yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. But enough said about that. Let's talk about Max von Sydow and the fact that he looks like a Swedish cartoon. How the fuck? How about a fucking gorgeous man in his in his own Max von Sydow way? Yeah, but fact, in like Max a... Max von Sydow Kind of in a weird way. He's yeah. like... He's absurdly handsome. He's got a horse haircut, first <laughs> got, of all. He's got the longest face in the history of the world, and yeah. it's oddly smooth in certain areas and not so much in others. I don't know. Um, I don't notice that particularly, like, but I, I, I mean, just, generally speaking... This is, yeah, there's a cartoonish quality to his face but at the same time he is undeniably he's undeniably charismatic over and above just his looks i mean he looks you could you could poke holes in that yeah, for sure yeah. but the charisma of this guy is fucking amazing yeah and his ability to be silent and meaningful at the same time is yeah. an impressive feat oh i think that's it yeah he he uh, he he you trust him yeah. Whatever he does, you trust him, and you trust him the more silent he is, which is the one time I've ever seen him sort of be explosive is in Crimes. No, it's in Hannah and Her Sisters. <laughs> and it's like he's kind of explosive, and it's like it's almost like um, a unique, an anomaly, kind of a joy to watch him be kind of explosive. Well, you know, it's really interesting because, like, I know it's so funny. I think he was like basically two different actors in a sense. Mm. I knew him from his work in the 70s and 80s. Conan the Barbarian, uh, oh was the Flash Gordon, okay. like these fucking movies. Was he in Flash Gordon? He was in Ming the Merciless. That was Max von Sydow. That was Max von Sydow. With a little skull cap. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, but so your watching... dad caught me watching that twice at his apartment. Once when he left for work, and once when he came back. And I'm now, I now know why he was shaking his hand at my, <laughs> <laughs> my uh, lip wristedness. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, uh, but just uh, but 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 watching him here, like I knew him from when he was basically professionally old. Okay, and so it was really, and, and also the three days of the condo, right? All right. But but like watching a young, vibrant Max von Sydow, oh, it's like. Yeah. Different character, just like oh, a different person, yeah. man. It's yeah. yeah, it's really wild. So, so it, it opens with Max on Sido, and by the way, again, the, it, great black and white cinematography, yeah, yeah. just fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I guess on the Swedish shores, are they back in? I mean, are we, yeah, are we assuming in, that he, it he is did all? Sweden? He did almost all of his shooting actually in Sweden, okay. unless it's yeah. Okay, with with his squire Jan, who I think, by the way, is a treasure. That character and that actor, that actor in this yes. film, yeah, yeah. Um, and but he's so, kind of the, he's the he's the Greek chorus, the center of the film in a sense. He really tacks it. He really tacks it into the immediacy of into the immediacy of its time period. Yeah, I would. Oh wow, that was no, no. I no, but I know what you're saying. I would agree with you. He's he's the sort of. the chorus, the, the for echoing back and forth the, the, the two moralities, mm-hmm. except he's, he's the nihilism that 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 is maybe the answer to the, to the, the yeah maybe that's the, almost the proposed answer. Well, that's because I, that's why at one point where he acts actually immorally, almost it's kind of startling 
so that doesn't take away from what you're saying. It might actually sort of bolster it in a way. Uh-huh. But I'll, I'll get back to that. So, yeah. so they're on the shore, and it's like, okay, the Crusades are over, and now they face... They've the, been away for 10 years. They're back from the Crusades, and, and now... They, they the, face the, 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 the plague, the Black Death. They're in Sweden, and the plague is running rampant in the muck. So... And I think immediately, or, or uh, I mean, they see uh, their first, the first victim on the shore, so it sort of sets this, the weird scene for the play. So he goes over. There's a, there's, there's a person sitting there, and he, and uh, Jan, uh, the, the the squire goes over and shakes him to yeah. to get some information, and they're like, ah, it's a skull. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so, and, and then of course, like my, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is, "I found him most eloquent." Yeah, yeah. Jan, like, Jan is a fucking uh, kind of a wit himself. That's exactly. He's a that's blunt ex- wit. That's almost exactly way. the tone of this movie. That, that's. Bergman's writing. It's beautiful. So, um, um, Vance, uh, Von Saito, um, quickly runs into death and clearly realizes, I mean, the figure of death. Again, family guy parody here, right? Yeah. It's like death in, a, in a robe. Right. But, but, um, and he immediately knows what's happening. Like, right. death has come for him and, and devises this sort of plan to play chess with death w- with and the hope that he can either beat him and, and escape death, escape death or, or prolong just, it right. and and in the meantime get some questions answered right because that's him that's about what he's death, doing about death about the devil about god he's he, well mostly god he wants to see everything he's getting at in there is to try to get an answer to god and again, don't say mostly god and, and dismiss the devil because the devil becomes a huge part of it oh well, absolutely okay, absolutely well yeah but the devil but he's trying to get to the devil so he can get devil. answers about god like right, that's his right, thing that's he wants to, he's put all of his life into this faith and he no longer has faith yep. and so now he's just wants to have a fucking sliver of meaning yeah. before he lets death win yeah i got you yeah so, <laughs> so they so they, they they're gonna play the sporadic um game, game of chess right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so then uh, we have another storyline and it's a storyline of the acting troupe right and we have this guy and his his i mean bb anderson is the woman King I don't of Queens remember the has name. a more realistic pairing of a man and a woman than this ridiculous <laughs> juggler and his hot swedish wife yeah, smoke like absurdly his hot wife yeah and then a third yeah. sort of actor who becomes important later on but but the husband and they have a, they have a child too and the husband immediately um establishes that he he believes he sees visions oh that's the first thing you say out of him yeah right, right. so it's he, like he has visions he and that becomes things. important it becomes important to a particular yeah. plot line but also mm-hmm. in terms of setting like the tone for like okay we're going to be examining a lot of issues here right. with this bergman film yeah, yeah yeah oh boy okay okay um we have um um then the intrusion of the self-flagellators well, okay, so flagellantes. Flagellantes. Well, yeah. yeah. So no, so so they're uh, they're actors. They're in a town. They're doing a performance, right. and then that gets interrupted by the flagellantes. Right, but it's I mean it's an important scene because it's like wow, it really represents how much that is meant to like it's intruding. On, we can we can run around. We can do we can yeah. do this sort of end town cycle. You know, performance plays. We can come back from the crusades, but this thing is going to take center stage in our lives at right. some point. Right. And well, not just the the plague, well, a, but the reaction to the plague. Yeah. The, the, the the Christian reaction at the play. Well, and there's also this larger question being, God damn it, Bergman, Please. you fucker. Larger question. <laughs> well, it's Bergman. There's also this larger question. There's mm-hmm. also this larger answer going on there, which is the answer to who God is or what God wants or anything yeah, about God yeah. is not coming from other people. Right. That's 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 really important, and then there, I think there are a couple of things in there that really are put in there specifically to hammer that home, like the cruelty when uh, the actor, is, the husband, is in the is in the bar, and the, and the people there are just laughing as somebody's cruelly tormenting him. Yeah, and this flight to land, like the, yeah. the, it's like it's there to push home the fact that this answer to God's silence is not going to come from us. But also, like what what that um, the unanswered question. 
maybe the unexamined question, what it does to people, too. Yes, right. You know, what the crusades, what the plague, but also, like, what the unanswered why are we here God does is it makes people cruel yeah. and, 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 and amused and, by cruelty. Yeah, 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 yeah. And part of the cruelty comes from this. It, there's a, a, a sort of subplot where the third actor in the troupe runs off with the... Um, uh, the forger's yeah, wife. Yeah, I kind of got ahead of time there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's all part of it, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's a, the guy who's who's uh, the, treating blacksmith. Blacksmith, blacksmith. forger. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I had to be Donald, Donald Pleasance. <laughs> um, I was thinking about so um, civilized. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how how the cruelty comes about. We don't have to give every little aspect of the plot. But basically, um, um, uh, the guy's wife runs off, and so like he's uh, broken up, and he's saddened by it, and he doesn't know what to do. Right. He's a, he's kind of a dumb. He, he's he's in there. Does he sits in for the dumb peasants? Actually, you know what? He's not. He's is he the one who's cruel? He's actually not the one who's cruel. The one who's cruel is this other guy, um, who Jan confronts for having tr- convinced his um, knight, who he squires, to go off to the Crusades. There's that scene where he says, "You're the one who convinced us right. all. This is a good idea." And the, and he he confronts him after having stopped him from raping a woman. Right. I was going to say, yeah, he stops him. He stops him mid rape attempt. So this is yeah. a little bit of of all quiet on the Western Front. Do you remember the the storyline there where all the boys come back and their um, teacher? Mm-hmm. Who had given all these sort of speeches? Yes, yes yeah. uh, Was back at home. Yeah. As the postmaster, and they're like furious with what he's done to them. And, and then so, when they find, when he finally gets sent to them, and he joins them. Oh, are they cruel? They, fight, oh, they boy. fuck him over. But it's the same type of thing. And so, like this morality, like the squires come back, a wiser man, right? Uh, a guy. He doesn't question like the knight does, but he's not opposed to questions either. He's not completely cynical. I would say yeah. he just feels like there isn't anything. To to get, well, hang your hat on. I think nihilism is really what he represents. Okay. In this. Yeah, he's got like there's no there's no actual answer because there's no actually a question. Because at one point he also has a conversation with the guys painting the murals of, of the Crusades and and sort of propagandizing oh, yeah, the them. death up there. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So there's all of that. I mean, there's great little things like like um, the knight uh, thinking he's giving a confession to a priest and it's actually death and they say thanks for the information, pal. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, you know, and it's sort of like I don't know that we need to to go through every other plot line because I I think it's like all the questions are out there. But this is great death is himself dark, but also amusing. The scene with he and the guy in the tree yeah, yeah. after the guy uh-huh. <laughs> makes his own death. Um, the squire, I tell you, even the first time I saw it, uh, not the squire, uh, uh, side of the night. Um, Bef- when he does that move to try to mess up the chess game, I'd already been thinking of that. Just fucking knock the game board right, over. Right. A move, P.S. Listeners, my <laughs> wife often makes when we're playing Scrabble. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, but 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 that, but there's this one thing I I, I don't want to miss out on, yeah, which is that Please. the the knight finds an adequate answer. Okay. In this thing, and yeah. that is by. Maybe saving somebody. Maybe saving somebody. I don't know how much further I should go into it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's an open question as to whether death had w- death had any claim on them. Or no, no, was no. going to, or was just annoyed by Van Sydow was taking more people. Right. I mean, there's all kind, of, and and the fact that that's a mystery to us. Yeah. Is I was just I, I I'm teaching a novel in one of my classes and when the student came by and was very frustrated with like I don't think there's an answer to this novel and I was telling her this is really going to piss you off. But I think that's a little bit intentional. Right. Like that's part of the process mm-hmm. of reading this novel. And I think that's a little bit here too. And I, and I think one other thing worth mentioning, because, um, yeah, you're right. Um, but is the um, the witch. Uh, oh, right. mm-hmm. I, and I don't want to go too far into that, but it, it gets into the sort of like um, execution of witches, um, but also... 
Nah, we don't need to get into it, I guess. I know. Well, I will say this about the witch is, uh, God, she's very hot. But here, I knew you would do this. <laughs> yes, of course. Hotter than the actor's wife. I mean, I, here's I, the thing. Here's the thing yeah, about you, Tom. Uh, Once you have a type, all logic goes out the window. Yes, she has the short hair. I, I share your affinity for that. Not hotter than that wife. Though. Well, I mean, she wasn't. She wasn't. She wasn't recently bathed like like Livol and that, that uh, is, BB. It's BB Anderson. That yeah. is true. That's yeah. a good, that is a I fine. Think I, might be the only I think you just like her in stocks. Mm. That didn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Shoots and ladders, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> what the thank fuck? you. Um, yeah, I mean, this. I mean, we're just sort of jibba jabbering but Wait, my yeah. god can you hear that we think this is a good film I just get and also like really what the fuck are we doing I really, are we really doing a breakdown of goddamn the seventh seal it's gotta I mean, be one of the most it can't be broken down. oh no i think it's the most else broken else. down goddamn movie of all time anybody with anybody who's going to do a movie podcast at some point is going to touch on the seventh seal well and first fucking, of all and here's the thing well they fucking should yeah. i don't feel guilty about it but i've seen we are it is a little Here, here's why kind of here's why i think because the, maybe people who listen to us and, and realize kind of what goofballs we are and, and all that sort of shit are attracted to that part of it and so they listen to our version of it oh i was hoping yeah that well they ought to all three of them that's you mom and aunt sue <laughs> All right. Um, oh, and then just to say that. Can we please get your mom to listen to this? I did not. Episode. I did not realize or know until recently, until this third viewing, that he wrote the play upon which this was based. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, what was it called again? Something. The, it the, was something, called the wood, the wood painting. There we go. Who? No doubt a reference. To, no doubt a reference to that painting of the uh, uh, of the dance. The erection. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Of the what? Uh, a wood painting. So let's. Are we ready to skip to 1974? Let's do it. All let's right. go. Let's go to scenes of a marriage. So let me. Uh, let me. Start scenes off. from a marriage. Sorry. Scenes from. Yeah. Let, yeah. let me. Let me go on. The, I was watching. Uh, you know what I finally saw recently, and this is not. Uh, this, the, there's a minor relevance to this, which is I like. I saw Magnolia finally. Yeah. Best thing in that whole goddamn movie to me was the relationship around John C. Riley. Okay. I have a. I have a terrible weakness. For damaged people in a relationship, yep. in movies, I love that thing. And this next movie we're talking about. Hold is, on, go back to Magnolia because everybody was damaged in that. Everybody was damaged, but I like oh, really twisted and damaged people wait. finding love. Oh, that, so that's you're saying John C. Riley? I was thinking of Philip Seymour Hoffman, which was another great sort of. Yes. He didn't have the damaged relationship, right, right, right. but his his view on that. Oh, the John C. Riley. I fucking lo- I love that. Any movie one. that has when it. He loses I'm, his gun, by the way. Oh, fuck. How about the woman at the beginning? There's no one in there. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful man i just i love i love that kind of thing i could oh, that yeah. whole movie could have just been those two people yeah having that relationship and finding that finding that p their own you know their own their own little thing I, I i find that just fascinating and lovely in movies and this movie uh is is a little bit of that i don't has disagree a, has a, yeah it's wow i'm gonna call this i'm gonna go out on a limb and go this this next this movie that we're loving uh that we're talking about this here movie we're loving <laughs> which is i'm gonna say is maybe my favorite movie of all time scenes for marriage and maybe my favorite tooth extraction at the same time <laughs> i here's what i wish you would have said my maybe my favorite movie at all of all time but not my favorite leave Omen move me Oh, that, if I wouldn't said move me, it would have been better. But all right, so so uh, maybe my favorite tooth extraction at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't watch it in one sitting. Well, oh, First yeah, off, it's, yeah. it's way long because it's you know it's cut. 
Well, yeah, okay. So, so, I, so, so the answer the, originally it was a six-part te- television miniseries. It they just, was they, originally. I have it here somewhere. Sorry, it was originally over four and a half hours long. The oh, version God. you and I watched was a theatrical version, which was just under three. Sweet mother of fucking God! <laughs> <laughs> it would have been an unbearable. But yeah, it was. It is, was who's long afraid yet. of Virginia Woolf? Has fun moments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this one, the, so this movie has fun moments, but they're all at the end. They're all. All, it yeah. all, it's all paid it's off all the at the end of the fucking yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just two people. And again, it's that same thing I was talking about earlier. It's like really based to basically two actors throughout almost all of it. There's like the first episode has a couple of other actors, but the rest of it is pretty much it's just For the most part. Two. I mean, especially given that there's one character who's just never seen, and and it's a major character, like a referred oh, yeah. to character, right, right, right. right. Well, and also, and also the kids, like they never come into the, they never show never up. Show. You're like what terrible parents. But but <laughs> well, this yes, is my this is my, my I'm going to make the case that this <laughs> is the best. Maybe the best acting without like saying a word I've ever seen oh, in a yeah. movie. It's a great. It's fucking I, I'm crazy. glad you I, like it. Uh, I want to go back to a couple things. Uh, I want. If make, somebody hated it, I would get that, but I don't. Oh, a hundred percent. If someone's not yeah. in this movie, and by the way, I love it and still have seen it only twice, and will wait a while before I see it again. Yeah, this is like Apocalypse Now. This is a movie More. to watch in a decade or that so. Cheer- cheerful movie, Ooh. Apocalypse Now. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, okay, a couple of things. Uh, wow. the, the Woody Allen thing. I want to go back to that because what I find very surprising. About Woody Allen is that what I see him taking from the Seventh Seal, he takes into comedy. Yeah. Whereas scenes from Marriage, when he rips that off, it's pure. Like if you it's, see Another Woman or yeah. September, or any of those movies he did in like the late seventies and early eighties, it is the same kind of brutality. Yeah. Not as brutal as this, by the way. Yeah. And a little bit of background. Tell me if you know some of this so stuff. So unbearable. <laughs> it was, of course, originally a six-part. Yeah, uh, uh, television on television. Miniseries, yeah. Okay, Liv Ullman, the first non-Swedish uh, lead in a film. She's Norwegian. Is she really? Yes. Okay, great. Then, by the way, I love her. By the oh time this was filmed so in, in like '72, <laughs> is when they started filming it. Yeah, I do. I love her too. She'd already been married, had a child with Ingmar Bergman. With Ingmar Bergman, yes. He's directing her through this movie, which is partially really based About on their own their fucking own. relationship. <laughs> There's, I, I, thought this, yes. I thought this was kind of a fun little fact. Joan Didion, who I adore, tried to interview Liv Ullman one time mm-hmm. and left it going, I think I was just interviewed by Liv Ullman because Liv Ullman <laughs> is so empathic as a person and her empathy comes through. Wow. I mean, some of it is can't just, just be acting. Just that first fucking scene, that first scene. Oh. Okay, it opens up with them as being interviewed yep. by a local like radio, no, uh, newspaper or whatever, something like yeah, that, whatever, yeah. some, some media outlet yeah. as the perfect couple. Yep. And you can just... Their physicality yeah. tells you so much more than any of their words could possibly. Something's do. off. You immediately begin it's to just, say, "But nothing his, on paper." Their their physical and and like his rigidness, her yep. uh, her like reactions to the shit coming out of his mouth, yep. like that are just micro reactions. Yeah, 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 and they're so beautiful. And then what's funny is is that with the with the guy character, I can't remember is Johansson or something like that. Johan, Johansson, Yankovich, whatever, yeah, whatever. Uh, we'll call him Rusty. We'll call him Rusty. Okay. Okay. So, so rusty. His his rigidness at the beginning of the movie, and then like when we get to like the fifth movie, mm-hmm. like or the, the fifth, no, the segment, sixth, yeah. the sixth, fifth or sixth segment, yeah. where he's kind of grown as mm-hmm. a person, mm-hmm. like just the physical difference in like posture and attitude. 
They're great a, actor. They're just amazing. Great actors. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, that's Absolutely. that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about like acting in the silence of it. It's just posture yeah. and this and that. And that's what I think. Like that's one of the things I really think Woody Allen really steals from Bergman. Oh yeah. A lot is trusting in like fucking cast this thing and let those actors be good. And as far as like the physicality, also one of the things Bergman requested from his like set designers and we talk is like small sets. Yeah. A lot of close-ups. Right. And it's like let's just get to the the meat of of the matter here. God damn it. So yeah, there's something off about the relationship. You can tell, although again, it, it's, it's fine on paper and right. they go back to, and then they, they have, they have this dinner, dinner party, party which <laughs> is so <laughs> fucking uncomfortable. With a, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf over for dinner. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. This couple they have this who just despise each other. Oh, and of God. course it puts them in a situation in the audience to say, okay, well, <laughs> obviously what we're going to examine here, we think right. is how, they then reflect on how much they're not like them, but yeah. probably have some of the flaws that they have. Now, what's interesting is he is um, uh, a professor. Yeah. She is a... A scientist a, of some kind. She's a divorce lawyer. A divorce lawyer, yeah. of course. That's, I mean, who else but... Only Bergman can get away with that. And Woody Allen, I guess, <laughs> we get away with that. Like, And Larry David, I guess, to name mm. a third. That kind of like, oh, come on. All right, I'm interested. You know, yeah. uh-huh. it's, it's fucking there. But their relationship is... Brilliant! It is so, brilliant. It's such a great portrayal, and it just—it's like it's such a painful microscopic. It's like a dissection of us and our interior lives, and the shit we—the shit that comes out of our mouth. The, yeah. You know, and, and like the question, you know, what is a marriage? I think that's when, like, at the at the heart of this thing is what is a marriage? Is it, you know, they start off by believing it's about like two people who make each other feel comfortable, and then it then it changes without any conversation about those changes, like interior, like their interior monologue, which you never hear until it finally comes out, and it's too fucking late. Yeah, well, here's an interesting part. Ooh, okay, because I've been married uh, twice, which makes me an expert. Yeah, sure, bring it up. <laughs> and you have not been married, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna say that. No, it might make you more of an expert, by the way, because I'm too close to it, right? But, but so I, I think the older I get, the more I come to this, I think realization, and that's that. What makes a marriage successful is not. Um, that you don't have horrible times because you're going to have horrible times. Any yeah. long, dis- it's that you actually accept the horrible times as something you're going to be intimate enough with someone to work through, right. and then not have them until you do have them again. Right? It's somebody you can like, somebody you can like have like you know go to bed next to, having had like an incredibly humiliating moment at some point. You, okay, sure, and right? it might like, be it might be uh, th- by their hand, by right. the way. Yeah. It could be a lot of things, right. right? And I think that's the sort of complexity of marriage, right? It's it's it, and so what's interesting about this is I think he takes you through that, but with sleight of hand. Like you keep thinking you yeah. know where it's going to go yeah. because it's like okay, the husband um, is falling in love with another woman, oh, right? And so. And so I she spent the first three of this uh, of the of the segments, yeah. like waiting for her to just pull out a gun and shoot him. <laughs> yeah, because you do hate him. Uh, yeah, initially, he's easy to hate. He's, he's very easy, easy to, to hate. hate, and she is embarrassing herself initially, right? Yes. So you think that that's really what this is? And I think under the hands of like a Vincent Minnelli or something, it would just be that. Yeah. But 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 under the the direction of Bergman, it's much more complex than that yes. because in the, because you begin to sort of see not that it's her fault. But how she had some her sort of contri- hand in her it. Her contribution is there. Yeah, that she did, and 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 it's it's hard to convey that if you haven't seen it without it sounding like hey, she was part of her fault too, because that sounds so surface. But mm. but he really does sort of an interesting. 
interesting thing. And her humiliation oh. at realizing that everyone knew about, knows it. about it. Yeah. Oh. But but look, that's that I think would be a full film. But that's really just like maybe like the first forty percent, and it's detailed. I yeah. mean, it's very very detailed. But then where it goes after that is is almost as interesting, if not more. Right. Like how are they going to deal with this woman who's never seen? She's an off screen lover of him, Paula, who has this weird hold on him. It reminded me for a second of, of William Holden and, and if Faye Dunaway were off screen. Ah, okay. right? Yeah, right, in, in right, network right, right. that sort of like I have no idea she doesn't even treat me well or I'm not I don't even mm-hmm. belong in this thing. But he's very open and he's very hostile about it. But the thing is they also come to sort of moments where they where there's resolution and you're so grateful for it and then Bergman goes let me just pull this fucking rug out from that resolution (laughs) and and go back and somehow it's 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 roller coastery without feeling like a gimmick yeah and there's this other thing about it one of the things I loved about it too is that it like lets you fuck how do I how do I explain this it's like each one of them that they're they're all they're it's all about them having these conversations where they're telling themselves, they're talking their current truth yeah. as they understand it at that point yeah. in their unevolved state. And as it goes further along, they evolve further and are able to get at deeper truths about their relationship and about themselves. And it ends on this wonder, it ends in this kind of nice, even at the ending, you're like, even if these people got together again in their supposedly newly evolved state, they'd still find shit to hate about each other at some point down the road. Oh yeah, well, the- like there's no doubt about that. But it's but there's this, but the, you can see like the limitation, like they're self-examining and they're self-critical, but it's the limitations of them at any given point, like where I don't know how I, I'm not putting yeah, this right. No, but you're Does that make you're sense? you're bl- you're. Um- Blathering is is accurate <laughs> in this case because I and I feel exactly what you're saying before the epilogue or maybe let's call it like Act Three, Scene Two or something like that, mm. where where um, he's been with Paula for a while and he thinks he might go off to Cleveland and and she's brought the papers and she seems much happier than yeah. he is all of a sudden and 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 they have sex in his office and then afterwards this this weird turn comes where they get physical and mostly he gets physical with her. Oh, I, I mean, like uh, we're talking like second to, last, second to last second. Yeah, he physically assault. Here's the thing about God. We got to talk about that scene. Okay, but, okay. But, he beats her up. Yes, but the thing is, what's weird about it is, and it's not. I'm not talking about an apologist uh, on, on behalf of Bergman. You see, afterwards, he's he's bitterly humiliated. Yeah. Uh, post that moment, mm-hmm. and you feel sorry for both of them, although yes. more him. Yeah. For it's not it's just not as easy like like yeah. I thought for a second the first time I saw this like oh no now it's just finally we ran out of gas and yeah. he's just the villain and it's like nope it's nope. not that simple either it just you know there's a thing about it that scene right there in particular I wanted to talk about because it felt yeah. initially it felt really wrong and then and this is gonna I I don't know how else to put this and I hope your wife never hears this but then at the same time it feels right. kind of a relief. And then Why kind of humiliating. No, it's kind of well, it's like oh, watching you good ideas. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying. No, I'm okay, kidding. I'm just saying. Like any feminist should probably ideas. not listen to this. No, but oh, I'm just saying. You mean it's like, anti-feminist? It, there's no, 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 not that. No, that it's um. Whatever. He's it's saying, kind I'm sorry, of like. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, my dear. It's, it's like it's a relief of the tension of their uh, of their oh, yeah, 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 of yeah. their their relationship. Oh, like there's yeah. this no, tension that never fucking goes away. Yeah. Even at their most easy, at the end of the movie. Yeah. But there's that thing where like like him like snapping physically like that. Yeah. It's almost like oh god, somebody had to do that at some point, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because there are other times when he comes to visit her, even, and it's like yeah. earlier on, and she's like dressed up, and it's like. You know, I, I saw someone, I, I really want to be very vague about this. I saw someone on social media not long ago, <clears throat> post-breakup, and it's classic. I notice it with women more than men, but it's like, audit, immediately they show up on social media, brand new haircut, hey, having a great time in life! Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, she was sort of doing some 1974 version uh, of that. The apartment's good, she's wearing a new this and that. Uh, yeah, maybe I've had a couple lovers, you know? And, but in the end, it was like, oh no, the, the, the awful sort of tension between them just dissolved, like... A rotting pear on a shelf. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it led to that funny. moment, man. Like yeah. all that frustration and rage that he had been feeling the whole yeah, time yeah, yeah. came out at that moment. And it was kind of weirdly clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a tremendous film. It's a very hard film to watch. Oh, yeah. It's a very hard film to get other people to watch, I'm sure. Oh. I mean, invite, invite some friends over. You want to watch a movie? Nearly three hours of this fucking, of this hell slog. Yeah. I think anyone who's been through the, um, the terrible parts of a relationship and the good parts mm -hmm. will find something to relate to yeah. in this film, certainly. And I love its minimalism. Oh, yeah. Uh, another Woody Allen thing. In, like these little in these, these little apartments throughout most of the fucking movie. 1992, Woody Allen, that was the year he was, um, the whole uh, Soon Yi thing came out. Mm. And he was filming Husbands and Wives, which is kind of a takeoff on this film, mm. with Mia Farrow. So he had to complete that film as actor and director while all of that was happening. <laughs> ah. But it's the same mm. kind of compartmentalization, I think, that, yeah. that's, that uh. drives these guys and probably makes them unlivable as Would, people. No, let me ask you this really quickly. Okay, Ask away, sir. No, okay. Have you ever seen his last movie? This Saraband. It was, Saraband was yeah. apparently, supposedly... No, I haven't. Like the last chapter in this relationship. No, no. But I, I, it sounds like a bad idea, frankly. It kind of does, yeah. But, but, it, but might, it, might it might be good. But it's fucking Bergman. So at this point, I'm willing to more or less trust him on that. Yeah, I, I think he almost can't do it any wrong and and uh, you know he's which i don't say about many movies like well, hitchcock no. hitchcock had oh. a falling off well, I, I honestly seen i haven't seen, seen enough bergman, bergman to, yeah, yeah that's right we're talking but i don't think there ass. was a falling off because people talk to like fanny and alexander from 83 about it's you know as amazing as as anything else he ever did so bastard uh yeah i mean the thing with with bergman is and and this is what i think makes artists truly great it's sort of like you know you tell a young writer, like, there's a list of things. Please don't do these things. Please don't, like, start in first person and then switch to third person because there's a, a really interesting twist you have, motherfucker. Just write simply. But And so good artists, I guess, avoid that. But amazing artists just do, do it, it anyway, anyway and yeah. do it well. And that's Bergman to a T. He does everything. Play, play chess with death yeah. in a movie? Are you kidding me? It's it it damn near infantile. He writes a 1957 screenplay that has like mythological approaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like co-written by Joseph Campbell. It's it's ridiculous, <laughs> and yet it's so good. And then switches it up to scenes of a marriage. It's like you can't make a, a three, nay, four and a half hour film with close-ups about people killing each other we barely made it through the the, the edward albee movie how the fuck did oh yeah like, how did how did both of those things come out of the same director like writer director producer yeah. this guy was he was fuck fuck i'm so impressed by him
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, <laughs> you know who I really like is this <laughs> this Bergman kid, this Fuck. Willie Shakespeare fellow. I'm going to give him a shot. <laughs> I think he's got. I think he's got some legs. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? But still, I mean, yeah. goddamn. No, a, no. It's. I mean, look. I what, know we I, have like a, definitely a, director producer as fucking artist. We have a film podcast because we consider ourselves a classic yeah. film podcast. People who watch or know more than your average American, and we have a love for it. But there's lots of fucking holes in our knowledge, and so it's. It's great to be our age yeah, and yeah. to like, you know. I think it was the same that thing with Fellini, of, like fifty is, episodes ago. We'd, we'd each see like eh, a film or something, and to go ooh, back and really look Fellini. at a few Fellini films, like, yeah. oh yeah, this is such a great surprise. I mean, I've, I've been denying myself for yeah. uh, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think, uh, I mean, another one if I'm to put on the list, I would say Truffaut. Like we've both seen The Four Hundred Blows, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, The Last Cinema. There's a couple, two or three we've probably both each seen, but. I'd like to go back in and see Truffaut because they're fucking yeah they're guy and plus I would because say they this. do live in they live up to not just inside but up to the hype and I would say this the the current climate and this isn't me being like anti left or PC I'm really not but like the general climate about the way people are talking about the arts in, in 2020 I think these guys are being disregarded and yeah. I think there's a better approach, which is to be much more inclusive in what we look at, 100%. Right. Why don't we broaden the but scope unfor- and be actually inclusive? Broaden it instead of just shifting, but I think the shift is going away. So there's a part of me that also wants to appreciate this, maybe so I can move on and see other people, but like I, I, some things that I just haven't appreciated enough yet. You know what I did the other day? I saw I saw it. No. I saw it. Uh, t- I saw a TV commercial the other day, yep. and uh, and I usually avoid. I usually never watch uh, ads, but but at one point they were talking about like the new Passat and how it was, yep. you know, uh, economical and inclusive. Like, what does that even fucking mean? economical and, and inclusive? inclusive. Yeah, they called their car inclusive. Inclusive it's gotten, car. Yeah, it's gotten out of control. Ah, what are you gonna do? Uh, okay, so we were split. I, I like scenes from a marriage. You were iffy on it, as yeah. I recall. Yeah, and I also like the Seventh Seal. I, I think I think we should take. We should take a bold stand and say, I think we're both for Bergman. Yeah, we're pro Bergman. Bergman. Yeah. We're pro Bergman. Yeah. Uh, and In- Bergman. Ingmar or Ingrid? Both. I, no, take, no. no, no. What? Sophie's Choice. Sophie's Choice. Wait, Ingmar Bergman or Ingrid Bergman? Am I banging him or am I. You know Sophie's Choice? Have you ever seen Sophie's Choice? I, no, I have never you know seen it. You know the metaphor, I know, though, right? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah. All right, so which one? You're stalling, by the way. They would never let you do it at the camp. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> please both be dead by now. Please. Ingmar or Ingrid? Quick. Okay. I can't. You've been listening to the film. Ingrid, Ingrid, Ingrid. I'll go Ingrid. I, I, that's uh, just chivalrous of you. That's so stupid. No, well, I just got the hot She probably, she probably actually has more, a, a greater um, number of great films. But, yeah, but they're not she, as great. She's got uh, a vagina. I think that's probably where I was coming from on that. So you're listening to the film. My crush on her outweighs my belief in the artistry of of Ingmar Bergman. Fuck you. Vaguely under her vagina. (laughs) You old smoothie. All right, Tommy. Uh, Do you have anything you'd like to plug? (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with me? Um, No, not at the moment. I really don't. All right. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. You can still rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to get an email from you, Finley's on film at gmail.com. I keep threatening to read some of those emails, but. we will. You should point. definitely give it a look. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, pop my, um, I'll put my brain over there later. Else? I think that's it. All right, Tommy, on to the next one. Madundan. Excelsior. <laughs> oh.